Welcome to the Terminal Value Podcast, where each episode provides in-depth insights about the long-term value of companies and ideas in our current world. Your host for this podcast is Doug Utberg, the founder and principal consultant for Business of Life, LLC. Welcome to the Terminal Value Podcast. Uh, Today's topic is business acceleration with Steve Prada. And what we're really going to be talking about is the idea that you can implement known strategies to take a business that is currently running and make it better. You can take a business that is starting and make it good or take a business that's good and make it really good or take a business that's really good and make it amazing. Uh, Steve, uh, I know that in the next 20 minutes, you're going to give us the nuggets of wisdom uh, that are needed to get us to to, to really want to learn more and uh, presumably buy your book and uh, and interact with you more. So uh, take it away. Don't let me steal all your thunder. Well, Doug, uh, great to be on your podcast. Thanks for having me. And uh, you know, I got really intrigued by the title of your podcast, this <laughs> terminal value, uh, because in my past life I was an investment banker. <laughs> One of the trickiest thing was for us to calculate the terminal value, which is basically the assumption that you build a business uh, a valuation model yeah. with a five to ten year uh, future projection of uh, revenues and expenses yeah. and profits, and you basically discount all those future cash flows into the present. Yep. But after ten years, the business is still going to be worth something, and you want to add the terminal. We call it the terminal value yeah. so at the end of the projection. And that was always a tricky thing. Okay, how do we value the terminal value? Is it going to be a straight sale at that point? Or is it we yeah. just uh, expand the cash flows indefinitely? Yeah, yeah, because in almost every discounted cash flow, the terminal value, even when you discount it back, is still your biggest cash flow. So that means that the, you know, the, the high level assumption you make 10 years in the future is the primary thing that discounts your present value. So any mistakes you make there will be magnified in your discounted exactly. cash flow analysis. Exactly. And, and it's, so, I know it sounds cryptic probably to most listeners, but especially for a high growth company, that's, that's kind of a, an interesting intellectual challenge. So yeah. that, that was very interesting to me. Uh, to begin with, and and, and I thought well, that- well that I go. I was going to say, well, thank you, because yes, that 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 that's kind of, was kind of the backhanded joke behind the uh, um, behind uh, behind the naming of the podcast is because uh, at least in a lot of the analysis that I did in my finance career, uh, you know, a lot of the assumptions that went into the terminal value were frankly nonsense. They were, they were basically little more than wishful thinking because there was somebody who wanted to justify spending a whole bunch of money. So what they so what you do is. You juice up the, the the long-term growth assumptions. It makes the terminal value giant. And you're like, oh hey, look at how big the discounted <laughs> the discounted cash flows are. And it's like, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Exactly. And, and and that's uh, and, and again, I'm getting off topic, so we'll get back to to growing a company. But it, but that's kind of the thing is that you know the uh, long-term value is a tricky a tricky thing, and uh, a lot of us think it's way easier to uh, to calculate and get our arms around than it actually is. It is. So, so what I like to focus instead, uh, instead of focusing on, you know, what's going to happen 10 years from now, yeah. is what can happen in the next quarter and, oh, the there next we go. Months and the next year. And how can I help a company become um, more profitable and more uh, build this growth engine and build this, this healthy team who communicates uh-huh. well together, who can together figure out where this company is going and how it can get there. 
Okay, excellent, excellent. Well, uh, uh, why don't you start by telling us some of the things that you've observed and uh, what are just a couple of the key insights you've seen as far as kind of taking your taking businesses to that next level? So what I observed uh, has been that most entrepreneurs, uh, they want to have a successful company, but often they don't know how to get there. Yeah. And, uh, and the reason they don't know how to get there is because they are so mired in the day-to-day -day of the business and running of the business yeah. and trying to figure out how to meet payroll and how to hire enough good people, which is getting more difficult all the time, and how to make sure that they delegate and they don't make all the decisions themselves. And, and, and they, they forget to basically the process, they forget to engage their people and they forget to harness some of the energies that are in their company already waiting to be harnessed. Yeah. So that's, that's the yeah, biggest yeah. thing. And, um, and people are essentially sitting in these companies and they are looking for leadership. They're looking for being able to bring everything they have to the company, sometimes consciously, waiting yeah. for this, sometimes unconsciously. They just, uh, you know, they just go through the motions. If there's no leadership uh, or not sufficient leadership and if they don't get the help to be able to deliver whatever they uh, could, they, their potential, then they will do their best they can with their experience, whatever they have, and and they you know try to not upset the apple cart and do their best. But when they are frustrated, they're gonna leave their best energies at home and not bring it with them to the company. So my goal always when I work with a, with a, with a business is how can we create an environment and a mental picture yeah. uh, and a mental framework where everyone is working to as close to their potential as humanly possible. Oh, that, that's, uh, so I think that, uh, that's another thing, that's a really profound statement. So I'd like to unpack that a little bit because, um, you know, what getting everybody working as close to their potential as humanly possible, at least what that means to me is not, you know, isn't, you know, is kind of going contrary to the traditional, uh, you know, kind of company paradigm, which is to say, okay, you have a job role. So I want to get you as good in that job role as I can to really saying, okay, what is the place where a particular person has the potential to be the most successful and figure out how to get them from where they are now to that place where they can be the most successful and then help them to become the best person they can in that environment. Um, I have observed almost no companies that do that. Uh, a couple that talk about it, <laughs> um, but but I have I have not seen pe many people do that successfully because it's it's a lot of work, uh, and frankly, just from what I've observed, is most people just don't want to do that work. Uh, I don't know. Uh, let me know if I'm off base here, but yeah. So I I think actually that people do want to do the work. So, the, so okay, that, okay, all right. You're 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 you're, you're giving me hope then. I definitely believe that people uh, want, I mean, people want to be successful Yeah. Um, if they know how. So there are oh. some people who are afraid of wanting to be successful because they are, they are afraid that if it doesn't happen, it's going to be a big disappointment. They won't be able to weather that disappointment. So they, they pull back yeah. into their shell. But most people, uh, especially the kind of people that you yeah. want to hire, they want to be successful. Uh, they want to work for a company which has a great purpose that they can connect to. Uh, yeah. They want to be proud of the company that they are yeah. working for. 
and uh, they want to have a meaningful yeah. uh, role and they want to yeah. feel that they are making difference in the company where they are. And can I make a small clarification? Uh, what, I, what I meant was not necessarily that the people don't want to do the work, was that the management doesn't, doesn't want to do the work. Uh, because in order to get people into the situation where they are, where, where they can be the best, uh, where they can perform at their best possible, uh, you know, to their best possible level, frequently requires moving somebody out of a job they're in right now into something different. And at least what I've observed is that most people who are in positions of authority uh, are reluctant to put in the work to get people into the right places because it involves a lot of you know a lot of conversations, a lot of influence, a lot of figuring out how to solve the problems of vacancy that are caused when you move somebody from one use of their skills to a higher use of their skills. Um, to, to, uh, again, uh, tell me if I'm off base though, because I think I think you're right. I think most people want to be at that highest use of their skills. At least what I've observed is the tricky part is getting the management structure of wherever they're working to, you know, to be the one who is creating that movement of the person to their highest use of their skills. Because, you know, if you, you know, it, cause like, you know, uh, what my employer always used to say was, they say, you own your own employability. You, you know, you, you own your own career. You own getting yourself to the highest and best use. Well, what you're basically telling people to do is once they hit a wall, leave and go someplace where they can make a higher bit and higher and better use of their skills. So if somebody really unpacks that statement, you're basically telling your people to leave once they get, you know, once they get a situation that's better, which generally speaking, is not the best way to grow an effective company. Uh, I, I totally agree. I think it's a big waste uh, because you train someone, they learn the system of the company, they learn the people yeah. in the business, they, they start to carry some of the institutional, institutional yeah. knowledge in their heads. And if they leave, then they essentially yeah. take that knowledge or if they don't take the knowledge, it actually, this knowledge disappears from the Just company. disappears, yeah. And, and that's, that's it's a big loss. Uh, I, uh, you know, I uh, agree that this happens a lot, what you describe, but also I am, again, I'm an idealist. I believe. That's good. We need optimists. It's not, it's not that the management don't want to make the decisions or don't want to do the work. Um, most, in most cases, people who are in management positions, they are there because they have been promoted because they have proven that they can do something, that they uh, can manage people, they can get things done. So, you know, most companies, people don't get to management positions without merit, some kind of a merit. But uh, if the structure and the organization is not correct of the company, then they won't be able to live up to their potential. And typically what management struggles with is that they don't have a clear alignment at the leadership level. Uh, people uh, don't know how to work together. And yeah. therefore, they feel frustrated about being part of the leadership team and not being able to influence things the way they would like. Yeah. So what they do is they go, they retreat back to their silo, their mm -hmm. department where they feel like they are in control and they focus on running that. And then yeah. the company becomes siloed and the different silos are not communicating well. And then it's not an optimal yeah. outcome. So, yeah. so the and way I believe, yeah. yes. So the oh, way yeah. I believe uh, to organize a company, there are seven management concepts Okay. I believe every company should embrace and implement. Mm -hmm. And if they do, then they can uh, resolve 99% of these problems that, that you are referring to. The, so the seven yeah. concepts, the first one is the right culture. So you want yeah. to make sure that you've got the right people in your organization. So Jim Collins, 
author of Good to Great and Build to Last, yeah. many seminal business books, he says, get the right people in on the bus first, let the wrong people off the bus. Now, what does he mean by that? It means that the right person for the bus are the ones that align with the culture of your organization. So it's really important to articulate, to discover and articulate what that culture is so yeah. that you can start setting the expectation for people. So, and they can then align themselves if they feel comfortable. If not, they're going to leave the company. So that's the first one is the culture, figure it out. Then the structure. So yeah. in order for this company to be successful, what are the major functions in this business? How should we organize it? Because often companies... Um, get organized, you know, there's a legacy organization yeah. around personalities. And if a personality leaves, then you try to replace that person. And often people, leaders don't think about, okay, I'm replacing the person, but should I replace that person? Or should I just figure out what do we need done here and then find a person that can do that thing. So figuring out what are the major functions that are required to move the organization forward. And then you did that. Doug works with schools, businesses, and nonprofits to optimize their costs without layoffs. The best part is that he is only paid for successful projects, so you have zero risk. To learn more, visit DougBusiness.com or schedule time to talk about your business at MeetDoug.biz. And you did that, and you put the right people in the right seat, meaning people who fit your culture and can perform in that role, in that function, Mm-hmm. Uh, consistently at a high level, then, okay, so where are we going? So what is our vision? Um, and, uh, and you know, what is our purpose? So you have to figure that out. What is the purpose? What is the, the, the vision? Where are you going long-term? The big, hairy, audacious goal uh, that can get people uh, energized. And then what is your strategy? How are you going to be different from your competitors and get to that vision? Um, the most effective way. So what is your strategy? And then you figure that out and uh, then uh, then how do you execute? So yeah. how you get there and that is execution that is figuring out how you set goals, how you measure the performance of, of everyone and how they contribute to the, the call. How do you create the processes, the playbooks so mm-hmm. people can execute? And, uh, and finally, the alignment. So how do you create the alignment. And that's the most critical thing because you can have the greatest vision and strategy and execution. If people are not aligned around your vision, i.e. they don't understand what it is, then they're not going to be able to make the right decisions and won't be able to help you uh, to execute. So you have to create the alignment, which means you have to communicate on a regular basis. You have to have people weigh in so that there is buy-in. There's no buy-in without weigh-in. And uh, you have to keep communicating with them what the vision and the strategy, and often you have to keep uh, discussing it um, to uh, to create that alignment. And then everyone's going to roll in the same direction. Yeah. Well, and I think there is a uh, there there is something that you that you hit on early in uh, <clears throat> uh, you know kind of early right there that I wanted to unpack a little more. And you know because uh, I think yeah you kind of called me out. Uh, I, I wanted to uh, you you you, ca- you called me out on a. a a, a, a seam or a, a gap in what I, in, in my prior statement, which is that, you know, I'd said that, you know, managers don't want to do the work to put people, uh, to get people in the right place. And I think you're correct in saying that that's actually not 
always the case. It's in fact, it's not usually the case. And I'm going to have to mea culpa there um, because, uh, because most managers do want to get their people in the right place. At least that's what I've observed. But what, I, and, but what I mean is in a lot of cases, they can't get their people in the right place without an unrealistically enormous amount of work. And it just in a lot of organizational structures, it becomes fundamentally untenable to, uh, you know, to, to implement that model where you get people into the highest and best use for their skills. And you know, so what ends up happening is that if you are trying to do that working through your organizational political model, people will really quickly burn themselves out or alternatively, you kind of retreat back into your silo. So I just want to say, just want to th say uh, thank you for keeping me honest because, uh, yeah, I was not quite, be not quite being completely accurate, and uh, I think accuracy is important. Uh, so, so with that said, let's uh, let's kind of talk a little bit about, you know, let's say that you're in that siloed environment and you want to get to a, a place where both yourself and the people who are working for you can get to the highest and best use of their skills. What's, what do you do? How, how do you make that happen? So the most important thing to do is to create an atmosphere where people yeah. are willing to share uh, what they are thinking. They're willing yeah. to speak up. And you do this by being, uh, as a leader, by being... Uh, first and yeah. being vulnerable and being open and honest with your people um, and uh, and you create that culture i mean uh, you know benjamin franklin said that the fish goes from the head down mm -hmm. so it's it's up to the the ceo of every company yeah. to create uh, to model the kind of culture that he wants to build and uh, and and to uh, to create that environment and some people who are not willing to be uh, willing to reciprocate, mm -hmm. they, they probably don't have a place in the organization. Yeah. And it is a difficult decision for that CEO to push that person out of the organization if they are not able to adjust their behavior to support the organization, if they are pol uh, you know, playing politics and not, you yeah. know, not be being a team player on, on the leadership team, then they probably don't belong there. Well, and I th yeah, I think that's uh, in a lot of cases that's the uh, that's where the real tough decisions come in. Yeah, just because I think you know, uh, at least one of my observations is that I think the the real tough decisions that most companies need to make is with you know is with your senior leadership team. Uh, whereas I've noticed that a lot of the decisions as far as who to let go tend to get made by people who are pretty who are relatively low in the uh, kind of in the organizational hierarchy or you know just about every downsizing I've ever uh, I've ever seen is disproportionately weighted to people who are toward the uh, toward the entry level uh, spectrum of the company um, too. But the one that's most important to get right is your senior leadership. Um, you know, and, you know, if, if you're having to go through multiple downsizing, that is a sign that there is something wrong with the way your senior leadership is structured. Uh, because, you know, because that, that means that whatever, however you have things organized, you're getting to a point where your expense structure is getting out of control without a self-correcting mechanism. I mean, because I, at least to me, it seems like if you do this right, you know, you should be seeing the, seeing the market trends and, you know, as revenue, say if revenue comes in and it isn't as much as expectations, then people should be, uh, should be tapering their own resourcing forecasts, should be self-adjusting their own budgets. But the culture that develops in a lot of companies is that as soon as you get a budget, you have to go spend it as soon as you can so you don't lose it. Um, you know, and then, and then what happens is, you know, as soon as, you know, revenue misses, then everybody, everybody's budgets have to get cut. And there ends up sort of being this uh, bipolar 
uh, type of experience where you're either spending a whole lot of money or cutting a whole lot of money, and you tend to oscillate between the two very rapidly, which I think is really unproductive in general. Um, too, but in order to get to that situation where we, where you have that really truly collaborative uh, company culture, uh, you you need to have a really high trust environment between all the people in your senior leadership, which is remarkably hard to achieve. And you know, I mean. Yes, so I agree with you. It would be ideal if companies were all very uh, would be all very stable and growing every year and being conservative yeah. and uh, yeah. and and uh, being very um, uh, very paced. We actually have a term. Uh, Jim Collins called the term the twenty mile march. So can you figure out what is your sustainable growth rate that you can hit yeah. every year and you create the the minimum possible drama? But the yeah. reality is that people are human and we have yeah. greed and we have fear. And if you look at the stock market, if it was possible to make this thing very smooth, then the stock market would never fluctuate. It would just yeah. increase uh, by 5% every year, yeah. but that's not the case. So we are human and we get uh, uh, ahead of our skis and then we have to reel things back. Yeah. And uh, obviously um, companies sometimes have to restructure themselves and, and yes, I mean, if you ask uh, a C- senior uh, leader, C-level leader, how to cut costs, they will probably not start with themselves, right? Because again, it's human nature that Oddly enough. people don't fire themselves first. They figure out uh, to find someone else to, uh, you know, uh, some, and, and it's not their job, frankly. It's not yeah. the job of a C-level to fire themselves. It's the CEO's job. But the CEO yeah. is, if, if they fire a C-level executive, then they have a bigger problem because now they have to replace one, which is harder to replace. Yeah, uh, there is much for them to pick up what's happening, and then make the decision. And ultimately, it's not going to be enough just to re- to fire that senior person. It's not like the military that if your general is not performing, then or, or get shot, then the next person steps up and everything goes on as before. It's it's not uh, it's not quite that that like, like that. It's uh, the uh, the knowledge required is often very, very uh, technical, and it's not easy to replace a senior leader, but, but it does happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, no, and uh, well, and, and I think that the, um, you know, your ideal situation, right, is going to be where, you know, you, you get your team in place, and then people self-correct as they go along, you know, so, so that you can minimize or eliminate the need to do a significant amount of replacements, because as you said, just the, the cost in both, in both the time cost and the productivity costs are both very, very high. So, you know, what I believe in is that the best way to have people perform better is to create a peer accountability. Yeah. So that it's not the boss that holds each and every one accountable, like uh, you know, like a parent and a, a child, but to create a situation like on a sports team where yeah. everything is transparent and people are uh, measuring uh, metrics. Everyone has some some metrics that they need to need to hit, and they check in with each other, and it becomes very very obvious who is performing, who is not performing. And the team is going to pressure the underperformers to step up their game. They will feel the pressure. Yeah. Uh, there's no boss to go and, and explain things because they just are not hitting their numbers. And they will self-select out. If they are not yeah. able to handle it, 
they gonna drop out or it's gonna become easy uh, transparent and it's gonna be yeah. much easier conversation to to have them replaced gotcha gotcha all right well hey we're uh, we're actually coming up to it on time a little bit so give us a couple a uh, couple last uh, last nuggets of wisdom and then let everybody know uh, your website so they can go find more yeah, so, so basically what I believe in uh, is, and I've worked with entrepreneurs who own businesses, uh, is that the number one job for entrepreneurs is to figure out what they want to use this business for. Yeah. Because ultimately, is it their dream life to run this business or is it, uh, is it just uh, a vehicle to get them somewhere? Um, and sometimes it is to run that business, but maybe they just want to be a strategic leader, whatever they want to be, or they want to do something yeah. else. So in my book, Viable, I talk about how to figure out what your ideal life is, and then how to figure out what it's going to take you to get there, what it's going to cost to get there, and then how can you use your company to propel you there. And uh, I talked about the seven management concepts. I also talk about the management blueprints, which are frameworks mm -hmm. that you can use to implement those in your business. So if people are interested to learn more, uh, check out my book on Amazon uh, titled Viable, How to Build a Self-Managing, Fast-Growing, and High-Profit Business. My website is stevepreda.com. It's my name, very simple. Um, and if you want to figure out whether your business is viable, you can find it on my website or you can go on um, buy a, uh, you can go on business uh, by uh, viabilityassessment.com. <laughs> Just go to my website, stevepreda.com, and you'll find your way to the viability assessment, and you can uh, figure out whether your business is viable and what it's going to take for you to make it viable. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Well, hey, I really appreciate your time, Steve, and I uh, hope you and everybody else has a great rest of your day. Thank you, Doug. Enjoyed being on your podcast and look forward to, uh, to see it come out. Yeah, absolutely. Very much for listening to today's episode uh, and what i would actually like you to do right now is to give me your thoughts so i would really love it if you could go to feedback.terminalvaluepodcast.com and just let me know what you think let me know your thoughts let me know uh, if you there's anything you really like about the show if there's any questions you have or if there's anything you think i could do better uh once again that site is feedback.com terminalvaluepodcast.com. I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to the Terminal Value Podcast. Share it with your friends by sending them to terminalvaluepodcast.com. For more information, please visit businessoflifellc.com for full access to Doug's products and services. All rights reserved. No part of this broadcast may be produced in any form by any means without written permission from Business of Life, LLC. All trademarks and brands referred to herein are the property of their respective owners.